That's fun. Every day as we're growing in Jesus, we want to be more and more selfless and less selfish. Right? It's hard in America where we live in a me, me, me world. But open with me to Acts chapter 4. As we continue through the book of Acts, we're going to see today that thousands of years ago, 2,000 years ago, these early believers were being selfless and not selfish, just like we want to do. And they were not just showing their love with their words, though, preaching about Jesus, sharing about Jesus and the good news of Him, though they were doing that, but they were also showing their love with their works, with what they were doing with their hands, with what they were doing with their wallets. Sometimes the last part of us to be saved is our wallet, isn't it? I think John Wesley said that. It's the hardest part to convert on a person, is their wallet. Are we showing people that we are saved by how we spend our money and our generosity? Let's take a look in Acts chapter 4. We're picking up where we left off last week in verse 32. Acts 4.32. If you're right there, say, Amen. Amen. All right. Acts 4.32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one, no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. They weren't communists, all right, but they had everything in common. They were sharing voluntarily. Verse uh, 33, and with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, with their words, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were were owners of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Wow, that is some kind of church. We're going to pause there. You can write this thought down in your uh, bulletin if you're taking notes. God's great grace grows great generosity. Say that ten times fast. I worked hard on that this week, all right? God's great grace grows great generosity. Okay, so the early church, they understood. They had just witnessed Jesus. And they saw firsthand God's grace through Jesus. His love, His mercy, His compassion, His forgiveness, what God and Jesus had done for them and then they were compelled. They couldn't stop themselves. They were compelled. Not strong-armed. Not twisted. Manipulated. Okay. I've been, I've heard of, uh, not been there personally, but my pastor friend told me one time that at their church, uh, I think it was a guest speaker came in and they said, we're going to keep passing the plates until we get this much money Because it's still in your pockets and it needs to be in here and you're not going until we're done. (laughs) I'm like, I would not be caught dead ever doing that. That is crazy. That is not giving cheerfully. That's giving with compulsion. That's holding people that we're going to lock the doors until all the money that we need is in it. No, no, that's not giving with grace. We say, thank you for your donations. Thank you for your giving. And give what God has called you to give cheerfully. We'd recommend starting with the tithes, God's 10% that he's talked about in the scriptures and offerings on top of that. But we're not going to hold you here with a gun to your head and say, open up your wallet and shake it out in the offering plate. But they didn't do that back then. They didn't need to. 
They were compelled with love and grace and mercy to give and give and give because they understood how incredibly much they'd been given from God and they translated that to giving in their own life. God had filled them with His Spirit, with His forgiveness, with everything through His Savior Jesus and like a cup. You know, just fill it up. Just keep pouring, keep pouring, keep pouring. Overflows. It overflows if you keep pouring. That's what we are supposed to be. God's love, God's grace, God's Spirit pours into us and it just overflows. We can't help but to give of ourselves in every different way to be selfless and not self-ish. And I love uh, Luke writes here, they had this deep friendship. They had this lasting loyalty. They were of one heart and one soul. Does that describe the American church, you think? Of one heart and one soul. Too often, uh, you know, the American church, we, we want to work to make it better. Back then, they were kind of all each other had. Now we're sort of islands to ourselves and church services can be rock concerts sometimes. I'm not saying that people aren't blessed and growing, but do we need a fog light or a fog machine and you know, all this crazy stuff going on? Passing out earplugs when you come in because we crank it up to 11. Of one heart and one mind. They were so unified. They gave and gave and gave to meet these practical needs of the church and when that wasn't enough, they started sacrificially selling their stuff. How many of us have ever considered that? And I'm speaking to myself. To give and give and give to your local church. And when you need more, you start selling your car. You start selling your house. You start selling your property. We got to meet these needs. We're having a sale, baby. We're having an auction. We got to get this done. That's extreme generosity and self-sacrifice to make sure that the other believers in their fellowship were absolutely taken care of no matter what and not out of compassion or compulsion, like I said, out of compassion. Not arm-twisting and manipulation, but they gave cheerfully. That's what people do. Who are filled with God's spirit and power and grace in their life we cheerfully love one another. Cheerfully are, are united in Jesus' mission, empowered for Jesus' mission, together as one, not fighting over the color of the carpet, over silly, stupid stuff that doesn't matter, causing division and disunity and fights. How many fights are there among church people? One person says one thing, one time, and then they're never coming back, or they're going to a different church. I know we're not perfect, and we say dumb things sometimes, we can't get back, but can we fight for unity and for caring gracefully with forgiveness for the people in our fellowship? God's amazing grace changes our lives, and it should also change our wallets and how we view money, how we spend our money, because it's no longer for myself, see? Our old person, our sinful nature, is it's all about me. But our new nature, our Jesus nature, our, our sainthood, uh, who we are in our new creations, it's like Jesus in me. They will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. 
Not by your love for yourself and all the stuff you can buy for yourself. Are we filled with that supernatural generosity like they were? we already been talking about, uh, we did our reverse offering this morning and talk about, uh, we did a little devotion, better to give than to receive in Acts chapter 20. At Troy View Church, we try to model this too, like they did in the early church. We have specific funds set up to help people in need. We have a missions fund that does a fair amount of that. A lot of the Love Our City stuff. We have a deacons fund that helps with just all kinds of practical needs. We have a food pantry fund that we buy a lot of food every month for uh, a lot of families in Troy. And as well as your donations and all that. But if someone is in need of food, we make sure they have food. Last month, somebody was in need of diapers for the kids. A uh, kid was in need of diapers, so we bought diapers for the kid. Uh, somebody, you know, if somebody is in need, desperate need of a, a new washing machine, we buy a washing machine. If somebody in our church needs car repairs, we pay for their car repairs. If somebody, especially in our church, but we also do this for people in the community, hey Kai, welcome back. How was it? We'll talk about that soon. Woo! There they go. Yeah! Red carpet. Come on up. If somebody... Um, what was the last one? Oh, is in need to fix their house? We'll pay to fix their house. If someone needs help with a rent or a bill, we pay for that too. Not the whole thing usually because that would be millions of dollars, thousands upon tens of thousands that we don't have, but we contribute towards that to show them we care for you. And if it's a church member who is in desperate need, we make sure that that need is covered. Because they're part of our church family. We're unified in this. They're part of the fellowship. And we care about each member of the body. You know, like Paul talks about different members of the body. If somebody's a, a finger, you don't just say, oh, hope that goes well. We're going to cut the finger off. Guess we don't need you anymore. No, we say, hey, the finger's hurt. The finger's injured. We're going to get antibiotics and go to the doctor and hope it doesn't get all green and pussy. Right, Andrea? She's cringing her face at me. We help members of the body because you are part of this unified body. And like uh, Luke wrote, one heart, one soul together in this. Because it's not just enough to share God's grace with our words. Jesus loves you. Let me tell you about the gospel. Uh, let's build this relationship. We need to do that too. But with our works as well to put our money where our mouth is and to show people how much Jesus loves them. And I know uh, a lot of folks, they don't, uh, besides giving to the deacons fund and the missions fund and the food pantry fund, you do it on your own in secret, sacrificially, and you never tell anybody. And you help people throughout the week in, in your life, your friends or your family or uh, your church family, people in the community, and it doesn't go through us. But then other people do give to the, um, the deacons fund. However you do it, thank you for, for being united in love and grace and mercy and compassion towards one another. Being sacrificial and incredibly generous. There are more needs out there than we will ever be able to meet. Even if somebody gave us a million dollar grant or a ten million dollar grant, we started, if we started paying people's rents and things, uh, that would get out around town and then we would get a lot more calls. And then the money would be gone. And it would be good, used for good purposes. But 
until Jesus comes back, this world is a sinful fallen place with lots of hurts and pains and sufferings and lack of food and lack of jobs and can't pay my bill. And so we want to be the church in the world. That's what we're talking about, right? Being the church in the world, and this is part of it. Our money is part of it. So will you give towards this effort that the early church we see in Acts chapter 4 here is modeling? Will you give towards that effort by donating to the deacon's fund or just by keeping your eyes and ears open to the needs around you? So many people we drive by, so many people we walk by, whether it's in work or, or in our neighborhood, and there are people. Maybe we don't know their story yet, but maybe we can if we just ask them, hey, instead of doing a, how are you, fine, how are you, fine, like, really talk with people. Now, what's going on in your life? Like, really? Like, truly? I want to know. I want to hear. Not just, everybody's good, everything's fine, wear the church mask and pretend to put on a plastic fake smile for people. We don't want to be fake. We want to be real. And I want other people to be real with us. And to see opportunities open up for us to love and serve and give to show the world how awesome and powerful God and Jesus are. Especially if they're a part of our church family. We want to especially, especially, especially like uh, this early churches take care of our church family. Because family takes care of family, doesn't it? I hope so. Family takes care of family. And I hope you trust uh, our church leadership to handle your finances, to handle your donations, to handle your giving. And Luke, uh, not Luke, but Luke wrote in verse uh, 35 of that, he said, they laid the money at the apostles' feet and it was distributed. They laid the money at the apostles' feet. That's a lot of trust. <laughs> wow, they're bringing in this huge treasure pile. I don't know, like these, I just picture these pirate chests coming in. You know, when they sell their land for thousands of shekels or coins or whatever it is. And they're just piling it at the apostles' feet. Not saying, hey, can I see your financial reports there, Peter? Uh, I want to see where the money's going before I write a check. And, you know, did the auditor talk with you recently? They're really trusting these leaders. Now, I wouldn't recommend doing that on Sunday mornings to just come up and lay thousands of dollars here at my feet. That wouldn't be the greatest thing, especially for the kids, my kids. I don't know if this is all kids or just my kids. They see a penny on the ground. Gideon. Like a, the dirtiest, nastiest, filthiest, most disgusting penny sitting there at the drive-thru uh, at McDonald's when we were crossing the street last week. And it's like stuck to the ground with gum or whatever other nasty. And he's walking out and like the cars are getting ready to come by and he's like, oh, money! Oh, and he tries to pick it up and I'm like, oh, Get it, leave it. It's a penny. I'll give you another penny. It's disgusting. Kids love money and shiny things. And my kids will be running up here stealing all your thousands. I'm not saying don't pick up a quarter. Pennies, you know, you got to debate whether that's worth it or not based on their appearance. And if they're green or moldy or have other... I don't want to get into it because it's gross. Fuzzy stuff coming. But if you lay thousands of dollars at my feet, my kids would go up and think it's like a free-for-all. You know, woo, look at all this. So don't... Put it here, but we have boxes in the back. We, you can donate online 24-7 if you wake up at 4 a.m. and you're like, man, I'm in the mood to give. After I get a sandwich, I'm in the mood to give. You can give 24-7. 
And I, I want to say thank you for trusting us with your donations. We have a financial report every other month. Thank you, Cheryl. Cheryl Lucas is our treasurer. Woo! And every other month, she makes up one of these, uh, a treasurer's report. I move that the treasurer's report be approved. I second. Okay, that's what we do in our board meetings. But here's every single dollar, if you want to see any time, every single dollar that you donate, how it's spent, is listed. Dan doesn't have, you know, okay, Cheryl, I need $3,000 cash this week, and I'm not going to tell you what it is because uh, I want to take Rachel somewhere really nice. You know, no, that's not what it is. It's, it's every dollar listed, and I write it to Cheryl. I say, hey, I spent this much on this, and pencils and pens and office stamps and whatever. And you can see this. Anybody want to see this? Anybody, you want me to pass this around? Here, I'll pass this around. Sure. Maybe we could set some out sometime. Or in our annual report, we have a list of uh, you know, every year, all the dollars that are spent. This is for accountability. This is to help gain your trust. So you say, okay, I want to keep giving because Dan's not just buying a Lamborghini here or a private jet. I'm never going to ask for a private jet or a Rolex watch. I have a very nice Cleveland Indians watch. Thank you very much that I wear in silent protest every single week. I don't need a Rolex. They don't have Cleveland Indians on it anyway. So I hope you trust us. If not, here's where every dollar is spent. Just ask. Cheryl or myself, we'll get you a copy. Sometimes we put the copies out on the front table. Accountability. Trust. That's what the early church had by laying thousands, I don't know how much it was, a lot of money at the feet of the apostles. But you can see where every single dollar is going and that we are praying and asking as a board, God, what do you want us to do with this money? We're not a bank. We're not going to keep it. Where do you want us to spend it? Chris just asked in the board meeting last week. She said, hey, the kids are going on a missions trip. Can I spend it for the missions trip? And I'm like, we have a missions fund. Do it. Yeah, go do it, Chris. We have a missions fund to go spend. So, hey, a lot of your money goes a lot of really, really neat places. Chris will tell you all about where the youth money goes. And Cheryl can tell you about different things. Ask a deacon. Okay, we don't share names for you know people that need help, but we. I used to keep a list a little bit better, but uh, you know we paid this person's electric bill and this person's rent and this person's water bill and this person needed help with this 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 and sometimes it's really weird stuff like uh, Partners in Hope will call me or the Buckeye House in Troy will call me and they'll say hey this person needs a pair of shoes and there's no organization that just provides a pair of shoes could you just help with a pair of shoes. And I say, yeah, let's go get some shoes. And a couple years ago, the Buckeye House, I think, called me and they say, hey, this person needs a bus ticket to Cleveland. But we don't have any organizations that provide bus tickets to Cleveland. Can you help with a bus ticket to Cleveland? And I said, Cleveland, all right, let's go to Indianscape. No, uh, I said, sure, we'll go get you a bus ticket. So I took them to get a bus ticket. So some of it's random, just once, uh, one-time things. Others are more consistent in the, the giving to help people, but... It's all there. It's all listed. And, and this is too good. I've got a lot of verses in your notes this week if you want to read them later about money and finances and having a heart that is not serving two masters, both God and money, but is serving just one. 
We want to love God and use money, not the other way around. Don't use God and love money. That's, that's where we get in trouble, especially as Americans where we like our stuff too much. I, I want to read this to you. Uh, it's too good not to share. You can turn with me if you want or not. It's okay. You can just listen. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This passage I just is so good. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a what? Generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly uh, or in response to pressure. Uh, right? For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Not to hoard for yourself, but to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat in the same way. He will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. What's our money for? To give away so much of it. I'm not saying don't save for retirement, but we need to be generous, generous, generous. Verse 11, then you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. Not just later when you get a promotion, be generous. Not just when you feel like you have enough money to be generous. I don't know. I'm just saying what uh, Paul writes here. Always. Be, I think always means always. And the Greek always means always. Pretty sure. Always be generous. Like the widow's mite. She just had a couple of pennies. Hopefully they weren't gross in the McDonald's line. But a couple of pennies there. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank you. No. They will thank God. Because his blessing flowed through you to them. So do so two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to who? God. And it all comes from God. Every good gift comes from above, flows through us to the people around us. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove will show that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. Not just speaking the good news of the gospel, but showing it. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. The overflowing, there it is. Fill up the cup and it overflows to other people. Thank God for this gift. Too wonderful for words. I love that. Are you giving gifts to people that people are thanking God for. Gifts that are too wonderful for words. I don't know what to say. But thank you. But just thank you. Where are you at on this chart? Uh, you might not be able to see this, but I'll just read a little bit. This is a new giver. Maybe a, we'll call it a baby Christian in, in giving. I'm a new giver. I will try this out. This giving thing. You know, that's the only way that God says, test me in this, is with our giving, by the way. Or, or have you taken a step up to be a regular giver? I'm going to schedule a reoccurring gift. I'm going to make uh, it a priority, intentional to give uh, on a schedule. Not just, oop, when I find a couple coins in the couch cushion or in the McDonald's drive through line. No. Intentional giver. Take a step up. I'm going to increase my reoccurring gift. Is that where you're at? 
Or maybe a sacrificial giver. I'll sacrifice more to give even more. That's what we see in this early church. I'm going to sell my property. I'm going to sell my land. I'm going to sell, I don't know, maybe his house. We'll get to Barnabas in a second. And what he did. But sacrificial giver, where it mm, hurts a little bit. See, it's easy to give, easier to give when it doesn't hurt. When we have a lot left. When we have a lot. It's easier to give when it doesn't hurt. But sacrificial is like it costs us something. That's what David said. I don't want to give something to God, an offering to God that doesn't cost me anything. Extravagant giver at the top. I'll only keep what I truly need. Wow. That's the goal. And God was the most extravagant giver of them all, of course, because he gave us Jesus. But I want to challenge and encourage all of us to never, ever, ever stop growing in Bold generosity. This early church, they were so bold in every way, including with their giving. I'm not going to have you, by a show of hands, show me where you're at. New giver, regular, intentional, sacrificial, extravagant. But let's bump it up this week. Let's grow in this. Can you take it to the next level? Can you kick it up a notch to help show love to the people around you? Mm. That's good stuff. Talk to Social Security about it. Let's go ahead and finish this section. I want to introduce you to a guy named Barney. He didn't have a bullet that he wanted to get out. Don't worry. That's a different Barney. Acts 4, verse 36. We're just going to close, uh, end this with two verses. Thus Joseph, by the way, did you know that his name was Joseph? Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Last thought, you can write this down. Firm faith is foundational to giving first. Firm faith. You've got to have firm faith as a foundation if you're going to make giving a priority, giving first. Now, I like this in Acts chapter 4. It's like a Marvel end credit scene. Here's a little tease. We're introducing this character named Barnabas. And he's going to show up in later movies, right? He's going to come up later in the book of Acts. This is the first peek we get into Barnabas' life. And he's a leader in the church, but he's selling property. He's selling property, giving a large chunk of change to these new believers uh, around him that needed it. Now, this is kind of funny. Barnabas talks about him doing this. How would you feel if your giving statement to the church were published in the Bible for everybody to see for all time. <laughs> this is Barnabas. His give, here we have his giving statement right here. I don't know. I think a lot of us would be kind of embarrassed or we, we don't want people to know. But, but they're showing this as an example. Here's this church leader leading the way in generosity as all church leaders should. If there is ever a stingy, cheap, non-generous church leader, I'm just going to say that person probably shouldn't be in church leadership or needs to check their heart and give more because we are a greedy church, a greedy leader promotes greedy churches, greedy people. It's showing the way and being greedy and materialistic and not giving. We're going to talk about that next week. So come back for the greedy message. But this week... A generous leader is promoting generosity among the early church. Modeling it. Saying, hey, this is really important. 
Be like this. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Right? That's what Paul said. All leaders in the church want to be this model as well. And I just want to close in a simple challenge. All right? I've got a lot of verses in your notes. You can read them later. Uh, we don't have time. We've got to get to Marion's, right, Carla? We've got to go get pizza. Uh, but you can read those other verses this week. But I want to close with this, this last thought here. God, throughout the entire Old Testament, starting in Genesis and on into the New, talks about how His people are consistently, frequently, sacrificially, uh, generously, cheerfully called to give back to God their first and best. And what we call uh, the tithes, as 10%, that just means 10%, tithes and offerings, eventually it became the local church. And it was used for different things, uh, these, uh, these tithes and offerings. But some of them was to help people in need. Especially, as you can see, in this early church. And that's what we want to seek to do too. But in order to give a portion back, like uh, Barnabas, we've got to have firm faith. Do you have firm faith? Not just in Jesus, but in your wallet. Do you have firm faith that God can use your wallet to impact the people around you, to be generous to the people around you? Do you give back to God, we'll say, or your local church, your first and your best? Or you, do you give them your scraps and your leftovers and whatever nasty little pennies you can find in the McDonald's drive through line? Whatever change you can find in the couch cushions? Oh, I'm going to throw something in the, the offering plate or the offering box. Whatever I have left after I've paid for all my needs and all my wants... And then see if there's anything left to give. That's not giving to God our first and best. Now, if you're interested in learning more about God's ways of handling money, there's a, a link in your notes, uh, bit.ly, you know, slash watch, whatever. And that's the first four lessons of Financial Peace University. Help understand how to get out of debt, about savings, about budgeting, and about relating with money with your spouse if you're married, which may be the most important one to start with of all, because if you're not on the same page, then the rest is pretty dicey, tricky. But uh, I also offer free financial coaching. Like, you got to pay for financial coaching everywhere. I mean, I'll do it for free. I, I just want to see people, you know, walk alongside them on their financial peace journey. If there's any way I can offer encouragement or help, uh, I'll get you the workbook. Uh, Somebody just donated last week some financial peace uh, materials, a work, another workbook and things. So if you want some of that, let me know. I long to see people live in freedom from the chains of debt. So they're not a slave to the bank. So they can live and give like never before. Because our money is the number one competitor with God. That's what Jesus said. You cannot serve both God and money. And I want to take that out of the equation so we can just serve God together faithfully, having money not be the big issue. I want the biggest issue with our money to be, how can I give this to help the most people? That's what we should be thinking about. Not how can I pay the bank back this week. Sometimes it takes a while to get there. But that's why there's tools and resources to get there. And it all starts with making a plan. 
This is just a very simple, Dave Ramsey has this, it's called a monthly cash flow plan because some people don't like the B word. Budget. Oh, sorry, I said it. Sorry. Didn't mean to offend any of you. Monthly cash flow plan or budget. And do you know what's number one at the top of his list? Charity. Giving. Tithes. Charity and offering is at the top. The first fruits, the Old Testament calls it, the first fruits are best, are first giving back to God. Some people say, oh, why do I have to give back 10% to God? That's where a baby Christian starts anyway. And the question should be, wow, God allows me to live on 90% because it's all from him. Everything that we have is from God. And he lets us live on 90%. Now, I'd recommend giving more than 10%, but that's a good starting point if you're new to tithes and offerings. But what you don't see at the top of the list of priorities is cable TV or a new iPhone or a new car or eating out every day. That's not at the top of the list. Once you plan and strategize your giving and grow a generous heart, then come the rest of your bills. Then come you know, your insurance and your... Uh, gas and electric and water and trash and groceries and whatever. We learn to live off the rest and we're more blessed for it. And maybe we can challenge ourselves to give one more percentage every year as we get out of debt, as we pay off these loans that are chaining us, shackling us to the bank and live free. Don't you want to live free? Freedom! Talking about Scottish stuff. Freedom! Right? We want to be free, but how many people willingly sign up for slavery to the bank? Sign those loans. Oh, goodness. I saw this person. I don't know. Is this a normal thing for people to post on social media a picture of them at the car dealership? And it's almost like signing a marriage certificate. You know, you see picture people's pictures of signing a marriage certificate and that's kind of a special wedding thing. They were signing a car loan and they had a photographer or somebody took a picture of their hands on the paper signing a car loan. A silly car loan. And then here's them with their car. Yeah, I'm in debt for seven years. Do you know the average car payment, new car payment is now $700 a month. What could we do with $700 a month if we'd learn to make a car payment to ourselves, Dave Ramsey would say, save up and then buy a decent car and then save up and then buy, you know, there's a whole thing. You can watch the, the financial piece, but I'm like, we're, we're glamorizing, we're stylizing, signing up for debt. This is weird. A house, I understand. It's like your home and whatever, and people take a picture, and most people don't save up $200,000 at one time to pay for a home, or 100000 that's a lot, that's a lot, but a car, I think we can do a car with cash, anyway, that's, maybe that's, in the, if you want to have that conversation with me, come to Tim's Tuesday from 12 to 4 p.m. at Tim Hortons in downtown Troy, and I will not buy you anything you want, Chris, I will buy you some things that you might like to eat or drink at Tim Hortons, <laughs> so there it is. Priorities, planning to be generous and see how God blesses you to give on the rest. He says, test me. 
Do you ever hear a parent say, don't test me? God says, test me. Test me in this. Test me in giving of your tithes and offerings and see if I won't open the storehouse and, and fill you with so much abundant blessing living on the rest and living this generous life. Wow. Bold generosity. Will you be a part of that? We're going to sing our last song. And um, know that before we give anything, let's remember that God gave us everything. God gave us everything. God gave us His first and best. And His first and best name is Jesus. The Messiah, the Savior, who takes away our sin. The most generous gift in the history of the entire universe is our Messiah, who died in our place for our sins, freed us from the sin debt, if you want to think of it that way, forgave our loan to God, saves us from the wrath to come, and gives us abundant life that starts forever. Starts now and goes on forever. Anybody want to be a part of that? That's the sin debt. Thank you for the woohoo. That's the sin debt that God frees us from. And He transforms our life. And He changes our life forever. What's that? The sand lot? Forever. Forever. And if you have not called on the name of Jesus, if you have not surrendered your life to His generosity to take your place, to take your death on Him, then you can do so today. And forever be changed by God's amazing, unfathomable generosity. Let's stand and praise our giving Savior.
Pray with me. Heavenly Father, help us to trust in You every day and every way, including with our wallet and our finances and our money. We know that You have given us all things. And I pray that You would work through us to overflow the generosity in us from Your generosity of Your Son, Jesus, to impact the world around us, to be who You called us to be, doing what You called us to do. And part of that is giving, giving, giving of ourselves, sacrificing of ourselves in every way, every day, for Your glory and the good of people around us. God, help us to grow in this. I know money's a tough topic. And it's hard with all the bills and collectors calling and frustrations and spouses spending what they're not supposed to spend. No point. Father, help us to align ourselves with You in this area of our lives to serve You and love You and use money for Your glory. And we thank You most of all for who? Jesus. Who gave His life on our behalf. In His name everybody said. Amen.